0: Welcome in everyone to Your Catholic Life, a podcast for Catholics, by Catholics, helping you grow in your faith. I'm John Leonetti, your host. It was February 11th, 1858, when a girl by the name of Bernadette Subaru reported to her mother that a lady spoke to her in a cave a mile from the town. She was gathering firewood with her sister and a friend when this lady appeared, and her life would be forever changed. We know now just who that lady was the Immaculate Conception, the Blessed Virgin Mary. And though this apparition has taken place over 150 years ago, millions of people a year still go on pilgrimage to this site, four to six million, that is, reporting healings and deep spiritual experiences with our Lord and His Mother. Here to help us understand Our Lady of Lords and what she has to tell us today, I'm bringing on Catholic speaker and author and an expert in this apparition, Elizabeth Ficacelli. Elizabeth, thanks for being a part of the show.
1: Hey, John, it's great to be with you on your podcast. All right, thanks.
0: so so tell me, what is it about Our Lady of Lords that first drew you to study her?
1: Well, I think in this case, it was one of those experiences where she drew me to study her, sure. uh, which sometimes happens with our Blessed Mother. Uh, but I had been approached uh, by one of my publishers, Paulus Press, to uh, consider writing a book to commemorate the 150th anniversary of these apparitions, which, by the way, took place in 2008. That was the anniversary year. And on one hand, I'm like, great, would love to do it. But on the other, I had never been there. And so the only thing I knew about Lourdes was maybe like from the Song of Bernadette, you know, this little girl and and the visions in the grotto. Um, But I thought, how can I realistically write a book on Lourdes if I've never stepped foot on that, you know, in, in that pilgrim site? And I said, let me take this one to prayer. And I prayed did a little research, um, in the meantime thought, if God's going to open this door, I'll get my passport, did that, had that all ready to go. And God did begin opening doors. He showed me that some news was breaking in Lourdes that was going to affect how miracles were um, being uh, looked at by the church. That was like making headlines all over the world that particular month that I was doing the research. And then the big door that really opened was getting an invite by Our Lady of Lords North American Volunteers, an organization out of New York to actually go over there. And they were very enthused at the idea of someone writing uh, a, a new or up-to-date book in English on Lourdes to really present the factual side of Lourdes and not some of the fictitious things that have been perpetuated over the years in movies and, and, and novels, but the real the real Bernadette and the real apparition. So um, that's really how it was. I didn't seek it out. It came to me. Uh, but it has been a fascinating journey to go over there as a pilgrim, as an investigative journalist, and learn so much about the apparitions of Lourdes that I had not known before.
0: Well, take me back to the moment Bernadette first saw our lady, all right? She went home, she told her mother. What happened next?
1: Right. So as you said, it was February 11th, 1858, a rainy winter kind of day, and she experiences this vision of a beautiful lady, doesn't know who it is, just is totally captivated by her, um, there was no exchange of words. Just a beautiful lady with this rosary around her arm, and uh, in that white dress, that white veil, the blue sash around the waist. You know, that's a, a very popular image of Our Lady. We see that's Our Lady of Lords, with those golden roses on her feet, and she is quite taken by this. When she goes home to tell her parents, they don't believe her. Mm. You know, and this is one of those things, John, about. You know, sometimes we look back at these events, something like Lourdes, and we think, what a charming story. A little girl sees, you know, the Blessed Mother in the grotto, and everybody believes, and everybody's excited. Well, that's not usually how it goes down. Usually, visionaries are, you know, questioned. There's a lot of skepticism, even a lot of pressure. And the big reason that her parents didn't believe her, well, it's kind of like a, you know, if 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 our own kids came home and said, I saw, you know, an angel or the mother or the or Jesus... You know, you, 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 maybe you think about that a little bit. You doubt it a little bit. But the real reason, I think, for her parents is it was a very dangerous time for the church in France mm. because of the big secular revolution that was going on, and the church was being persecuted. And things like people claiming apparitions was not something. You, you didn't want to draw attention to yourself. You didn't want the police involved. And so they really tried to talk her out of it. And, and this is where you begin to see the real um, faith of this child, and she was a child. She was 14 years old. That's very young, and yet she would stay firm to, you know, her belief that she was seeing something. She was receiving these messages, and despite the parents, despite even the clergy saying, no, this can't be, and pressuring her, and then, of course, the police threatening her to throw her in jail. Really? She still, still remains true. She, she just feels that this is absolutely happening, and that she needs to um, keep returning to the grotto.
0: I'm talking to Elizabeth Ficacelli right now, an expert in uh, the apparition of Our Lady of Lords. Um, what what was it? Who was it then that came to her defense? Who was it that said, "I believe you"?
1: Well, there were a handful of people in the town. They, they tended to be women and and other young people at first. Uh, the, the very first people I think that believed her were a couple of uh, wealthy women. And they were the ones that convinced Bernadette's parents to let Bernadette return to the grotto because it was up to the parents. They would have forbidden her ever to step foot back there. Um, So it was people like that that began to believe. And, you know, the more um, people gathered at that grotto, the more convinced everybody became that this was true, that this was a heavenly visitor. um, And and people began to believe it was the Blessed Mother, that had come to France to rescue France from its persecution, from its waywardness. It was becoming such a secularized nation, and it had been such a strong Catholic nation prior to this, and they thought help was finally coming to the Catholic Church. And um, But really, the, the turning point of all of it, which would finally get the clergy to get on board, was in the 16th of the 18 apparitions, so it's almost at the end of this event, hmm. where Our Lady will actually reveal her name as the Immaculate Conception, and because this had just been um, promulgated as a, doc, a dogma, actually, just like four years earlier, this is when the priests believe, because they know there is no possible way, this little 14-year-old girl who was poorly catechized, not super bright, that she would ever know this brand-new theology that had just been you know, proposed by the Church, but Our Lady was coming to confirm that dogma, and that's what then finally the Church begins to believe. But through all of it,
0: Bernadette remained faithful. What kind of sufferings did she go through besides people doubting her? Was that, was that really it?
1: Well, the first part of it was the doubting, the skepticism, people taunting her like, you're just trying to get attention, you know, so the disbelief. But then it begins to go in the opposite form where people begin to, you know, come to her house day and night. They try to snip lockets of her hair. They try to touch her. They try to get her to bless things and she's just shrinking from all that because she doesn't want the attention it's not about her you know she sees herself as a conveyor of messages and and so this whole spotlight on her and and you know because especially once these apparitions get approved and they're approved very quickly 4 years after they conclude the bishop will approve these apparitions largely based on Bernadette and her character and her virtuousness you know virtuousness and and her um, just her faithfulness to proclaim these messages without getting herself in the spotlight, just simply answering questions very obediently. She was very humble. She went into religious life, and, and the bishop largely approves those apparitions because of, of her. Um, but yeah, it's just it's amazing how she, um, she lives this, and, 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 and the messages, too, by the way, are there were 18 visions, but you can really boil the messages of Lords down into three basic things, which is really prayer, penance, and conversion.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about those for a second, but first, remind us again, what did she look like? What did Our Lady of Lords look like? You said she was in white, and she had a rosary with her, right?
1: Right, and she was very young, and that's interesting, too, because Bernadette would report that it was a girl she saw in the grotto, and Hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense. Bernadette was 14, and how old was, you know, the Blessed Mother when the angel appeared to her? Like 14, they're guesstimating, Right. So she probably did come as, a, a, you know, someone of a similar age and stature to Bernadette, who was very, very small for her age because of malnutrition and, and health issues and stuff. But uh, so she comes as this very, very young girl, and yet the statue that's in the, the niche in the Grotto of Lourdes to this day and all the images we have we have since then are always portray Our Lady of Lourdes as a woman, you know, as a woman. But for Bernadette, she always claimed that she was a very young girl, she saw in the grotto, and she was, like I said, in the in the white with that blue sash um, with the roses on her feet, but always with the rosary on her arm, and this is how they would always have their encounters, that um, Bernadette would kneel down and pray the rosary before Our Lady, and Our Lady would pass the beads through her fingers. She wouldn't say the words. She would kind of mouth the words, but not speak them aloud, and she always spoke in um Bernadette's native, it's called patois, it's like a French dialect, and she spoke in that dialect, which she always does for whoever she's visiting on earth. She always speaks their dialect. Um, But the rosary becomes very important, you know, because we see this is what Our Lady is calling us to as she does in so many apparitions throughout
0: history. This is just fascinating. Elizabeth Ficacelli is my guest. She's an expert in the apparition of Our Lady of Lord. She's also a Catholic speaker and author. Okay, so prayer and fasting, you said, are really two of the key components to what Our Lady said. What, what were some of her messages around those?
1: Well, she called Bernadette to pray the rosary every day, you know, for the sins in the world. And this was um, what she really uh, let Bernadette see. She let Bernadette see that, you know, while Bernadette's family was very, very impoverished, they were probably the poorest people in all of Lourdes. They're living in the former town jail, Lacachat, the lockup when these apparitions begin. they're they're practically on the street. They're so destitute. And um, but what Bernadette will learn from Our Lady is uh, material poverty, you know, that's nothing compared to spiritual poverty. Mm. See so Our Lady is able to see what's going on in France in that period of history. She's able to see people living very spiritually impoverished lives and not going to mass and not living out their faith, and and she she lets Bernadette know you know the outcome of that the separation of God and that spiritual sin and and separation from God is the absolute worst thing, and she gets Bernadette to really commit to spending the rest of her life, which she will do, to do acts of reparation, to do little acts of sacrifice, acts of love for the sake of sins in the world and Bernadette leads by example in that, and that's what we're called to do as we read about Lourdes, as we visit Lourdes, not just to go to this place where this event took place, but to say, what is Our Lady saying to us today that makes sense in our own world? And it's the same thing. Our Lady continues through all these apparitions to call us back to putting God at the center, to getting back into a prayer life with God so we can know, what does God want to do with our lives? You know, why are we here? He's got a plan for us. So to engage in that, put him first so he can work through us, and to, you know, convert our lives, uh, to convert our sinfulness, to live lives of grace and purpose and meaning and to be light to others, to live the gospel. You know, all of this is what Lord's is calling us to. And Bernadette, as I said, is the example, the, the famous example of it is when Our Lady will direct her to dig for a spring that doesn't appear to be there. It's in the in the grotto, sure. in, the, in you know, cave part. And Bernadette will dig, and and she she gets herself all muddy, you know, all full of dirt, trying to wash her face and drink in the spring that isn't really there at that moment. And people think she's gone crazy, but, um, you know, she kisses the ground. And this ground, too, you have to keep in mind, John, this was a place where farmers used to bring their pigs to water them. And so, you know, pigs are dirty. So this was not a clean place. You know, this was not this pretty place. This was a real dump. And, And here she is kissing the ground as an act of reparation for sins in the world. And, of course, we know the story The spring will come and and wonderful things.
0: Four to six million people still there today and uh, gather some of that healing water. Uh, Have they studied where this water is coming from? Is there any scientific explanation?
1: Well, you know, and that's the funny thing, because there are mountain towns like Lourdes. Lourdes is down in the Pyrenees Mountains, very south part of of France. Um, And so there are these spas in... Uh, natural spas in that part of France where people used to go for their health, you know. But the interesting thing is when the spring was uncovered and within 24 hours miracles are reported, the mayor got all excited. You know, here the mayor thinking, oh, tourism, you know, he's like thinking money. <laughs> he had the water scientifically tested, and guess what? There was nothing unique about the water. There was no healing properties, no chemicals that would make it conducive to being a legitimate spa like there were not far from lords and so that's kind of the irony but yet all these healings would take place and what bernadette would tell the people is the healing doesn't lie in the water the healing lies in the face of of the user of the water you know And, and yet we look at these these healings these cures these conversions that have happened over the years and and there are are several and you know there's several that have actually gone through the whole process which is a very detailed long process that few people are willing to actually invest their time and money to go through. But there are countless stories of people who have been um, healed or changed or found their answers through Lord's water, whether it was actually over in Lord's or whether it was, you know, Lord sends water out, you know, around the world. So using Lord's water that, you know, you have gotten, even in remote locations, it it has amazing um, effects on people.
0: Uh, Elizabeth Ficicelli is my guest here on Your Catholic Life. Um, Personal miracles maybe you've experienced there?
1: Well, you know, the first miracle of of Lords for me was this door opening where, you know, I was sent over there because I was, you know, still a mom of four kids. They were all home probably. I think back then most of them were still home. You know, I wasn't in a lifestyle to just, oh, I'll just jump on a plane and jet on over to Europe, you know, to write a book. And yet God made that process so easy. That was absolutely my first miracle. Mm. The very next miracle was just about two weeks before my trip over there, something surfaced in my mind, a memory from my childhood, and I wasn't even raised Catholic, but something presented itself so vividly, like that I'd never talked about in confession. And the first homily I heard over in Lords was the priest saying, this is where you dump your stuff. Don't take anything, you know, leave your sins. God wants it here, and I, and I ran <laughs> to the first confessional, and I unloaded this thing. I, I believe that that was a miracle, that God was presenting something in my life from my childhood. He wanted me to let go of. And that was a wonderful feeling. Um, there was another kind of miraculous little experience when my husband and I were participating in the torchlight procession, that beautiful where everyone's with their candles, and it's at night, and you're praying the rosary. Well, we we were at this particular place in going down the esplanade, and we, we, we shared this experience after the fact. But we both were struck by a simultaneous at that moment we we talked about it later wouldn't it be really amazing to be one of those people that are saying the rosary you know over those crowds that multitude of people and those candles and everything it was just such a a powerful experience the very next day we were invited to do that thing I mean it was incredible and we got up there and you know on this microphone and all I could see was a sea of candles as far as the eye could see and praying the rosary it was tremendous it was a tremendous experience um, and another powerful thing was we took prayer petitions with us over there. I didn't open any of them, didn't read any of them. I put them all in a document, brought them over, and I found a f- you know, like an hour of time in the pilgrimage to kneel in that grotto before that niche, before that place where Bernadette saw Our Lady. And I took these petitions out and I began to pray them, read them, and I just wept. I mean, all this vulnerable personal burdens that people were sharing with me to present to Our Lady and Our Lord's. Uh, and our Lord in that place, in that holy place. And it is a place, I can't explain it, but prayers are heard there. I mean, it was obvious that you are listened to over there in a very special way.
0: Elizabeth, I can't thank you enough for being my guest today.
1: Oh, I love it. I love talking about Our Lady of Lords and St. Bernadette.
0: Well, you always do a fascinating job. You you keep me interested. And, and, you know, for for radio hosts to stay interested, every time you're on anything I ever interview, I'm always very interested. So God bless you, and God bless your great work.
1: All right. You too, John. God bless. Thank
0: you so much. So there you have it, friends, Our Lady of Lords, Fascinating stuff. Even today, she has something to tell us. Prayer and fasting. Thanks again to Elizabeth Ficacelli. Find out more about Elizabeth at ElizabethFicacelli.com. Friends, make sure to share this and other episodes of Your Catholic Life on Facebook and Twitter. Inviting your friends to take part in the show, visit our website, yourcatholiclifepodcast.com as well. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm John Linetti, signing off here on Your Catholic Life. Remember, the only way to happiness is by holiness. Be confident in Christ's mercy and his love today.